Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and to the ages of all ages, Amen. Jesus tells a parable today about a sower who went out to go and sow some seed. And he talks about four spots where the seed happened to fall. And we're going to discuss them um, uh, briefly this week and next week. This week and next week, Father John, you're going to give the same sermon two weeks in a row. Um, I know, like, we can only, you know, we only come to church so much now because of COVID. But I mean, like, you know, like, you don't, you can, you can still kind of, you can still do your job and prepare a new sermon every Sunday. You know, like, it's not the end of the world. Well, actually, it's because the church has placed this gospel uh, for us to be read two weeks in a row. It is actually the only gospel which is placed for us to be read twice in a row. The gospel of the Samaritan woman comes up three times in the year as a Sunday gospel. There are other gospels that are repeated. The, the feeding of the 5,000 is repeated every time we have five Sundays in a Coptic month, etc., etc. But this is the only gospel to be repeated twice in a row. When somebody repeats something twice in the same breath, it probably means they want you to listen, right? And so in the introduction to the readings, and I'll be brief because we already talked about this, we were talking about how this is the first Sunday of this Coptic month. So the Coptic church has its own calendar, an ancient agricultural calendar that spans from a few couple of thousand years B BC. And it's an agricultural calendar and the names of the months are named after ancient pharaonic deities but that was one of the beauties of the coptic church it, it doesn't we're not offended by paganism you know rather we're, we're happy to we're happy to 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 take all of what is a culture and glorify it and 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 um, reveal how beautiful god is and in creating these people and their culture and so on and how that culture can be restored so actually the names of all the coptic months are names of pagan gods um uh, but the church didn't see a need to change their names. So this month is the month of Hatur, which also happens at the, at, the, at the season of sowing. Different plants need to be sown at different times, but the majority of them get sown now. They sleep all winter, and then in the spring, they, and then in the spring, they come up as a, as a storm and you have a beautiful harvest in the fall. Of course, not everything is like that, but most, most plants are like that. And we were saying before that if you don't sow in this, at this, in this season, and the same is true, if you want tulips in the spring, plant them now. If you want grass in the spring, plant it now, you know, in your own yard and so on, right? There's many things that if you, it's now is the time, now is even a bit late. Um, you know, November, maybe October would have been a better time, but it's not too late. Before the ground freezes, you can still plant. But once the ground freezes, and then it thaws, and then the tulips are supposed to come up in end of March. So when are you going to plant the bulbs in frozen ground? That's not going to work, right? So now is the time to plant. To plant what? To plant the seed. So what is this seed? A sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed. Some fell by the wayside. The birds came and ate it. Some fell on stony ground. It grew very quickly because there was no ground for it to take root in, so it, 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 it couldn't grow down, so it grew up. So it grew very quickly, but then with a little bit of sun, it had no roots, died. Some grew on good ground, but it was full of thorns and weeds and other things. There was lots of other noise. 
there, and so it, it was competing for the for the soil, and 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 it it didn't it didn't it didn't amount to much, and some fell on good ground and yielded a crop thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. What is this thing which is sown? Jesus explains the parable. He says it is the word of God. The word of God here can be understood in two ways, as the word of God with a small w, i.e. the word of God, the spoken word of God or the written word of God, right? The gospel, the good news, the commandments of Jesus, the oral tradition, the teaching that has been handed down from generation to generation can be understood as that. It could also be understood as something else. The Word of God with a capital W is going to be sown in the next Coptic month. The one that's after this one. This one is called Hatur. The next one is called Kiyak. And during Kiyak, to be distinguished from Kak that we will eat at the end of Kiyak, um, uh, Christmas biscuits um, are in Arabic called Kak, right? So to be distinguished from Kak, Christmas biscuits from the Coptic month, Worst dad joke I've ever said, I think, in my life. Um, uh, right? Um, it's taking me a second to recover from that. Right? Um, next month, the word of, the Lord, of God, capital W, will be sown. The incarnate Logos of the Father will come and he will be sown into our world. The fathers talk about about the invasion of heaven into the fallen earth, the invasion of holiness into sinfulness, the invasion of light into darkness. But it's not, it's not a, a military invasion. It's not a, a, a forceful, aggressive invasion. It's a quiet invasion, a gentle invasion. That there was no room in the inn. There was no room anywhere. And he was sown he was sown in a back alley feeding trough for the most menial of farm animals. So he is, he's coming. Where will he be sown? Where will the word of God land when he is sown on you? Which soil are you? Well, that's a bit of an unfair question because we're all kind of all four soils. And that's why I'm going to talk about all four soils this week and next week, but not all of them. I'm not going to have time to cover all of them, so we'll try to cover two of them today and we'll try to cover two of them next week. I want to start with the fourth kind of soil. I want to start with the fourth kind of soil. During the gospel reading... The priest prays all of these inaudible prayers. Um, and when he's done praying all of these inaudible prayers, he goes and he stands by the deacon who's reading and he offers incense. Why is he offering incense? Well, what is incense? Incense are the prayers of the saints. And he mumbles something, a prayer, and he says it on repeat. He just says it on loop. And it's actually the end of one of the prayers that he said out loud. One of the prayers the priest said out loud, he said, you know, thank you, Lord, O Master Lord Jesus Christ, that you gave us to hear what others wanted to hear and to see what others wanted to see. May we be worthy to hear and to act according to your gospels through the prayers of your saints. So he says that on repeat. May we be worthy to hear and to act 
according to your holy gospels through the prayers of your saints while the gospel is being read. So the gospel is being read to the people of God, including the priest, and the priest is praying and saying, Lord, may we be worthy to hear what's being read like right now and to act according to your holy gospels. Makes sense, right? May we not be like zoned out. May we not be like on another planet. May we mean not be like listening, but then in one ear, out the other, or in one ear, super discouraged. We hear, we understand, we say, yeah, but I could never do that. That's too hard for me. And then we don't do it. May we be, may we hear and act according to your holy gospels. And then he goes on and says, through the prayers of your saints. Why through the prayers of your saints? How did these folks end up on the walls? Well, they ended up on the walls by doing the commandments of Jesus. The best way to learn any behavior is oftentimes by modeling. If I want to learn about hospitality and non-judgmentalness and the receiving of others with love, regardless of, of where they come from, I should talk to St. Moses. If I want to learn about having courage and boldness despite youth, despite inexperience, if I want to, a, a thirst for knowledge to know the truth and to be able to eloquently say the truth in love, but clearly in a convicting way that changes people's hearts, that is effective in convincing people, regardless if I'm the youngest person they'll ever meet, talk to St. Catherine. If I want to, to be, to, 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 if God has put me in a position of power, and, but I feel a, a burden, a need to stand up for justice, for what is right, and I have the authority to do so, but I know I'm going to get backlash, and I know there's going to be a political backlash against me, and I know it's going to cause problems for me in my personal life, in my professional life, in my this, but I know it's the right thing, and I just need the courage to do it. Talk to St. John Chrysostom. If God is calling me to make a sacrifice and I just don't feel up to it, but I know he's calling to me, me to it, I know it's for my good, and I know, I know, I know like my name is John, that's what God is calling me to, and it just seems too high a price to pay. Talk to Abraham, the father of Isaac, and so on. Because they heard, they heard, and they did. They heard, and they did. And look, in the Proxies reading, in the Acts reading today, we read about St. Peter going to speak to Cornelius' household. And something really beautiful happens that, that just blows St. Peter away. He's just completely blown away. You see, at this point, all the Christians, this is, this is probably about a few months after Jesus ascends to heaven, right? A few months after Pentecost, the church is brand new. There's been the persecution of Stephen. The disciples are starting to go a little bit everywhere. But all the Christians at this point are still Jews who had become Christians. And St. Peter ends up somehow in this Gentile centurion's home. And he's telling him the good news, the gospel. And you find a beautiful summary of, of the gospel 
that Jesus was born, lived among us, healed the sick, cast out demons, died for us, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and gave us his Holy Spirit. Very beautiful, very short, beautiful. And as he's speaking, as St. Peter is speaking, there's no rite, there's no ritual, there's no laying on of hands, there's no abracadabra, hocus pocus, there's nothing. None of that. The Holy Spirit descends on Cornelius and his household. There was... It was so easy, it was so simple, it was so quiet. Cornelius heard the gospel and received it, and it bore fruit immediately. Immediately. Look at St. Anthony. His parents die, bequeath them about 300 acres. That, that's a lot. He goes to church. He's walking in the door as the gospel is being read. A lot of people, you know, feel very embarrassed or shy that they don't come to church on time. I don't know what on time is because I've never been on time to church myself. <laughs> so I don't, I don't even know what this on time that we're all aiming for is. Church is eternity. We step out of time and we enter into eternity. There is no time. The time that you come is the right time. And the time that St. Anthony came was the right time. I'm not advocating coming late. I'm advocating coming as early as you are able to come. St. Anthony walks in through the door and the gospel is being read. And he hears the gospel about the young rich ruler asking Jesus, what shall I do to be perfect and inherit the and eternal life? Jesus tells him, keep the commandments, do this. He says, I've done that since my youth. All of this is resonating with St. Anthony. Anthony's hearing this. And then he says, if you want to be perfect, sell all that you have, give to the poor, come and follow me. And he does it. The same day, the same day, that's the fourth kind of soil. That's the fourth kind of soil that hears the word and does it. In the Gospel of Luke, when in, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount by saying that a foolish man built his house on the sand. He came and he listened, but he did nothing. A wise man built his house on the rock. He came, he listened, and he did. What distinguishes the wise man from the foolish man? They both came, they both listened. But the wise man did something about it. And so that's why the priest says, may we hear and act according to your holy gospels through the prayers of your saints. I have not been successful in loving everybody with an open heart who comes and walks in through the door with a, a spirit of hospitality. Saint Moses, maybe you can teach me. That's the fourth kind of soil. The fourth kind of soil is the soil that sees the homeless person, that sees the person in whatever need, and you do something to help them. Maybe there are needs that, you're, you're, that, that pull on your heartstrings that you can't do something about, but you can stop, but you can pray, but you can agonize, you can share in the agony of Christ for that person. Or... You can harden your heart. Or you can harden your heart. 
And really, there isn't much in between. You can placate your conscience. That's what I typically do. You know, I carry $5 bills in my pockets so that I can placate my conscience and just give the guy a five and he can buy a sandwich. And that's, It's not my problem anymore. I, I did what I could, you know what I mean? Right? Am I willing to share in the agony of Christ, in the suffering of Christ as Christ chooses to be? Christ is coming. To, he's coming to be incarnate, to suffer with us our human existence, to hunger, to thirst, to be naked, to be cold, to be rejected, to be undignified with us, with this person, with that person, with the person at work, with the person at home, with the person in the street, with, with us. Am I willing to share with that person? Or do I harden my heart? Now let's talk about the hardened heart, the first soil. And we'll leave soils two and three for next week. God give us good strength and good. and good. What is this first soil? This first soil is the wayside. The wayside is the place where people have walked. So it was good. The only difference between soil four and soil one is that it's not the presence of stones, that's soil two. It's not the presence of thorns and weeds, that's soil three. Both of them are just 100% soil. There's nothing there except soil. Except soil four is nice and fluffy, and when the seed falls in it, it, it finds a nice cushion, a nice, you know, those, those mattress commercials where people fall back on a, on, a, on a cloud, you know, right? Whereas the first one has been hard and tampered down. You see, you know, you see the, the roadworks guys tampering the gravel, you know, right? By what? By the wayside, by people going and coming on it, by carts going and coming, animals, farm animals going and coming on the wayside. And so when the seed falls, it just stays out in the open. And so the birds come and pick it away. The demons come and pick it away. You hear the word of God, and as the word of God is about to enter, is about to enter through my ear. It's making its way to my heart. The demons go and they pull on my heart. Oh, but, but you forgot to send that email to that person. You forgot to pay this. You forgot to pay that bill or whatever. Right? And then, and then oh yeah, and it's, oh yeah, I've got to do that. Okay, let me get my phone. Let me put myself a quick reminder so that I can listen to the rest of this sermon. What was he talking about anyways? Some dad joke he said earlier, I think. Gone. Gone. Word of God is gone, stolen away by the birds. The hardened heart, the hardened soil is actually, the first soil is actually the most like the fourth soil, except that it's been hardened. Its quality is that it's been hardened. All of us have been hardened in certain ways. How can you know if this is you or me? The first and cardinal sign of the hardened soil is the lack of brotherly love. I don't feel a burning love for my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Ask the Good Samaritan. Topic for another day. I don't feel a burning love in my heart for my neighbor. And let us be rational, okay? Let us not be, let's not get here on, on the, let's not get on the guilt trip here, okay? Let's just be rational. I would love my brother, but I have no reason to love my brother. Like, when I look at my brother, he's annoying, he's chatty, he wastes my time, he this, he that. 
I can tolerate my brother. I can prevent myself from doing anything that is beneath me to my brother. But when I look at him, like when I look him straight in the face, there's nothing there that I feel particularly inclined to love. Well, yes, I agree with you. You don't see anything that's there for you to love. I agree. Because you don't see the image of God in which he was created. One of the servants went to Father Peshoy Kamel, very discouraged about the service, and told him, I don't want to outreach the kids anymore because they don't respond. They don't answer. You know, I go and I visit them and I this and I that, and it doesn't change anything. And he said, like, and, the, and, the, and he told him, what's the point? And Father Peshoy's eyes welled up with tears. And he said to him, each one of those children, his price, the price paid for him is the blood of Christ. Jesus died for that one. How can you just let that, how can you just let that go to waste? How can you just let that go to waste? The lack of the ability to see the, the extreme value in the person in front of me because they are in the image of Christ. Another sign of a hardened heart is dissension, jealousy, evil speaking. How can I be jealous of my brother? Like it is anti-Eucharistic. Like, how can I have a spirit of vainglory? Somebody says something nice to Yusuf and I think to myself, man, why didn't, someone, why, didn't, why didn't that person say that to me? Yusuf, you have such a nice voice. Why don't they say that to me? I mean, I've got a nice voice too. Right? You know? When one member of the body is glorified, is not the whole body glorified? I have dissociated myself from Yusuf. Yusuf's glory is different from my glory. Yusuf's account, we don't, we don't have a joint bank account anymore. Right? The credit to him is different from credit to me, is different from credit to Christ. No. What are we doing here? Aren't we here for a liturgy? Aren't we here for the Eucharist? Aren't we here to partake of one body, to all be one body? How can I be jealous? How can my left hand be jealous of my right hand? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Unless there's a division now between my left hand and my right hand, there's a hardening. There's a hardening between them. When a worldly spirit enters into the church, the, the land which was made to be planted doesn't look like land which is to be planted anymore. It looks like the road. Like the seed is falling on it. So obviously the sower knows that this is part of his land and he wants, he wants to grow crop from it. But, so he sows seed on it. But what does it look like? What does it behave like? What's important? What, is, where, what are its priorities? Where, 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 how does it set itself? Honestly, honestly, I remember one day, I don't know, just, this just kind of struck me. I was going up the elevator in the hospital in my past career, and the, 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 the elevator was glass, and the encasement for the elevators is glass at SickKids. So when you're going up to the eighth floor, you can see the entire atrium. So there's an ocean of people around me, 
you know, around us down there. And the elevator was pretty packed. I know it's hard to like think of that now that we've been in COVID for so long that you could be in an elevator with 10 other people wondering if there's enough oxygen for you for you to get up eight floors. But yes, there was a time when that happened. And um, I remember thinking to myself, it hit me like a ton of bricks. How am I different to any of these other people? How do I, do I behave differently? Do I talk differently? Do I think differently? Are my priorities any different? Like, whether you saw only the outside of me, or you could see right through to my soul, or you could see my bank account, my calendar, or all the other things that would indicate how I invest myself, would you be able to tell in any way, shape, or form that I am not a citizen of this world, but a citizen of heaven? And I remember in that moment thinking to myself, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think there's anything about me that is otherworldly. I don't think there is anything about me that is out of this world. St. Paul says that we are the off-scourings of society because we're so far, we're so drastically different from everything here. Christians in the, in the first couple of centuries, they didn't, the Romans didn't start off persecuting Christianity. They start off being confused. But who are these weird people? One of the weird things they did is, is they collected children who were exposed. What was it, an exposed child? This was a very common practice in antiquity and in all, in all you know, of antiquity, not just during the time of the Roman Empire, right? That if you had a child and you decided you didn't want it in the newborn period, you would just leave it by the side of the, way, of the road. And it would get exposed to the elements and within a couple of days it would get dehydrated and die. Christians thought that that was horrific. So they would collect these children and raise them as their own. And there were no adoption laws, so they didn't know what to do with them. Do they, do they, do they charge them with kidnapping? Well, but I mean, th these children don't belong to anybody. What do they do with them? And what are these Christians doing with them anyways? This is, a, this is somebody nobody wants. And then they started taking in widows and slaves and other orphans, older orphans. What are, what are, why are they taking all these people that nobody wants? Nobody, they couldn't understand them. They're just weird. Why are they doing that? Because these people are created in the image and likeness of God. This person, is his, his value is the blood of Christ. Their hearts weren't hardened. They could see the value. They could see. They could feel. They were still alive. They were still alive. The resurrection had brought them to life. If there is nothing otherworldly about me, if there is nothing out of this world about me, if there is nothing ageographical about me, if there is nothing ageo about me, if there is nothing agios about me, there is nothing holy about me. The word holy means out of this world. If there is nothing out of this world about me, you look at my calendar, it looks like the calendar of another person. You look at my bank book, it looks like the bank book of another person. You look at my life, and it looks like the life of any other Torontoian. How are you holy? 
How can you say your citizenship is in heaven? How can you say you've been born anew in the baptistry? How can you say I know it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me? What Christ lives in me? I am hardened. Dead. Dead. The seed falls. There's no life. There's no life. Some people hear a sermon. Some people hear the word of God and they act immediately. Some people not. What's the difference? What are you and I going to do about it? I want to finish with this. I had more to say, but the time is, 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 is short. I want to finish with this phrase I read two weeks ago, and it's just been ringing in my ear like a gong. One of the fathers says, Unless the soul suffers greatly over the audacity of sin, it cannot rejoice abundantly over the goodness of justice. Let me read that to you again, and we'll just unpack it and, and close. Unless the soul suffers greatly over the audacity of sin, it cannot rejoice abundantly over the goodness of justice. You know, it's part of American culture and life and history to be in the pursuit of happiness. We're not American, but we like to be happy too. And many people in the church have replaced the pursuit of happiness with the pursuit of joy. And we figure it ought to be the same, right? Happiness, joy, same difference, maybe, maybe not. I'm not a semantics person. I don't care. Call it what you want. But let me tell you something. Christian joy, as far as I know, comes from one place. I haven't found it to come from anywhere else. If you have, please come and tell me, you know. But I've only found it to come from one place, from repentance. From repentance. See, we think that happiness comes from pleasure. You know, I'm in a bit of a crappy mood and whatever. I'll go see a movie. I'll, uh, I'll go with some friends. I'll do this. I'll go that. I'll go eat out. I'll this. I'll that. I'll have a nice meal. That should, that should cheer me up. Maybe, temporarily, the happenings of life might make you happy. And when those happenings change, you might not be so happy. So maybe happiness is related to happenings of life. But joy is something quieter and something more persistent. But it comes from repentance. It comes from this, this tilling what was I doing when I was talking about the hardness, that hardened ground? We were tilling it. We were, we, we were that hardened ground. We were, we, were, we were digging our spade deep into it and turning it so we can make it fluffy again. So it can receive the word of God and be fruitful again. We need to till the soil. Hosea says, break up your fallow ground and I will come and rain righteousness and peace on you. Break up your fallow is hardened, your hardened ground. Break it up. You know, have you ever seen what they used to break up the earth? It's like these, it's like these spikes on a wheel, you know, and they dig them deep in and they push really hard and it digs and it digs the ground and it turns the soil. You know, and it turns, right? And it hurts. Those spikes must hurt the ground. But it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good to look in the mirror sometimes. When I first wake up, 
especially I haven't had a haircut in a while. My hair is all over the place. My beard is going in 17 different directions. There's drool crusted on one side and eye snot on the other. And you know, right? There's no way I can leave the house looking like this. It's painful to look in the mirror. By the time I leave, I'm the picture of handsomeness. <laughs> Why? Because of the mirror. Don't curse the mirror. Mirror is not a bad guy. Mirror is not a bad guy. Don't curse the mirror. Mirror is a good guy. Because he's just telling me what I look like. So that I can do some small adjustments. Some small adjustments. To be that fourth kind of soil. Let us, I want, you know, your take home, your homework is this. Let us ponder for a moment this week, each day, with what audacity, with what courage, but like, somebody translate the word bagaha for me in English. With what, it's almost bigotry, it's almost with what, with what arrogance, with what arrogant audacity I broke the commandments of my Savior. He came. He created me. He came. He taught me. He died for me. He brought me up to heaven. He put in me His Holy Spirit to guide me each day. He sent me people, friends, neighbors, pastors, teachers, sermons, every possible online media in the universe to warn me. And yet, as the words of St. Gregory in, in the Gregorian liturgy say, and I in my misery and my self deception have ignored the good God. I laid aside your law by my own opinion. I neglected your commandments and I have brought upon myself the sentence of death. By what audacity have I broken the commandments of my Savior? And with what great love does he continually continue to reach out to me? to turn my soil and make me fruitful and bring me to repentance. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.